Hey everyone, it's Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to my podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl and we have eight kids. Their ages are 14 to 28 and we have six grandkids. And as most of you know, I speak a lot to homeschooling moms, but I've been really feeling compelled by the Lord to create a series of podcast devotionals that are geared towards all moms. You know, sometimes it can uh, feel like moms whose kids go to school and homeschooling moms are worlds apart. And it's true that we each deal with our own unique set of challenges in each of those situations, but there are a lot of things that we have in common. You know, some of those things are that we love our kids to the moon and back, and that as Christian moms, we want to raise our kids for the Lord. And so I want to spend this time in this particular series sharing God's Word with all the moms out there who have a heart for their kids and who want to grow in their walk with the Lord as it pertains to motherhood. So here we are. Uh, The series is called Grace for a Mom's Heart. It will always be titled Grace for a Mom's Heart, but then it will have a different scripture at the end, depending on the passage that I'm studying in that particular podcast. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm providing a written version of at least part of the podcast um, along with the podcast. So if you're a person who likes to read um, rather than listen, you can do that. Uh, Now, this particular podcast ended up being longer than I expected, this particular study. um, By the time I got through verses one and two, I had an entire blog post. And so instead of writing a novel, I sort of ended it there. And I'm giving um, everyone the the choice to either go ahead and read the rest of the passage to answer some more of the the questions um, at the end, but um, also to listen to this podcast and hear the entire study from start to finish. So those are your options, at least in this particular one. Some of the others will be shorter, and so I'll be able to have those pretty much completely written out. So here we go. I want to start in Psalm 1. Now, those of you who listen to me on a regular basis know that I've had my struggles with anxiety. And a couple of months ago, God led me to really dive into the Psalms one at a time. So I'm going to be sharing a lot of Psalms along the way because I'm finding a lot of comfort there, um, a lot of wisdom a lot of peace about who God is because, you know, it's recognizing who He is and acknowledging who He is and focusing on who He is that really helps to minimize our anxiety along the way. And the interesting thing is I've had a lot of feedback on all of my podcasts on anxiety because I think it's a common problem amongst women, uh, amongst you know, just people in our society and our culture in general for lots of different reasons. But today I want to dive into Psalm 1. You know, when I was very young, about four years old, my mom helped me to memorize Psalm 1. And of course, I memorized it in the King James Version, and I didn't realize it at the time, that I had a lisp, and I can only imagine how it sounded when I got to the verses declaring the man blessed who did not 
fit in the feet of the scornful. Now, I can recite that entire passage without the lisp, along with a few others that I learned at a young age. And as an adult, I have been able to remember these passages more than any others, especially when I found myself in extremely difficult circumstances. So when it comes to studying the Psalms, as I've recently been doing, I have found over and over again that there is more packed into each of these little chapters than first meets the eye. And Psalm 1 is no exception. You know, as a mom, and uh, you can probably relate to this, I desperately need wisdom. And you know what? As Christian moms, we have access to unlimited amounts of information as moms in general, but as We all know information and wisdom are not the same thing. Psalm 1 introduces God's instruction in wisdom. So I'm going to read the passage to you. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So let's take it from the beginning. The psalmist is talking about joy. Have you ever wondered how to have more joy? Couldn't we all use a little more joy? Well, verse one gives us clear direction in what that looks like. It is simply rejecting evil and delighting in him. Now, it sounds simple enough, right? But let's dig it a little deeper here. While our culture presses into us with the idea that truth is relative, it also in doing that, removes the belief that much, if anything, can actually be called evil or sinful. So now what God calls sin in the Bible is being exalted and lifted up as good when, in fact, it is harmful to people and society. We can reject evil while not rejecting people. The bottom line, there are three things that godly people who are full of joy don't do. And we're going to talk about those three things. The first is the godly do not let themselves live under the influence of sinners. That means that we don't watch, listen to, meditate on, or agree with things that do not line up with God's word. We need to think and pray about where those influences might be impacting our lives and remove ourselves from those as much as possible. We also need to think about this in terms of our children. Are we protecting them from sinful influences God is telling us to while helping them begin to understand that truth is not relative? So as we walk alongside them, are we pointing out the lies around us and are we declaring truth? Are we pointing out truth so that our kids can see the difference between truth and a lie? 
Sometimes our kids are believing lies and it comes out in how they defend themselves when they get caught doing something wrong. So it's crucial that we not only call out the wrong, but we also clearly and lovingly replace it with the truth of God's word. We want our kids to know that God loves us and he has good in mind for us. And this is why he puts boundaries on us. So the first thing that godly people who are full of joy don't do is they don't let themselves live under the influence of sinners. Number two, the godly do not follow the advice of the wicked. So who are the wicked? The wicked are those who don't fear the Lord. They are the enemies of those who love God, who do right, and they're enemies of the poor and the oppressed. The term enemy may seem or feel like a strong term, but the reality is that their hearts are not being led by God and that can and will lead to a life in bondage to sin. So the warning is there again for our good. And, there, and this is another thing that our kids need to know, that God's boundaries are good. They are there to keep us safe. So when God tells us not to lie or cheat, or he tells us to stay away from sexual sin, we can be absolutely sure that he is simply caring for us like a good parent would care for their child. You know, just because Johnny wants to play in the street doesn't mean that it's good for him. By removing him from danger, we're not trying to ruin his fun. We're trying to keep him safe. God's heart toward us is good. And it's so important for our kids to understand that. So the first thing that a godly people who are full of joy don't do, they don't let themselves live under the influence of sinners. Number two, they don't follow the advice of the wicked. And the third thing that they don't do is they do not join in with mockers. What does that mean? What is a mocker? You sort of get this picture in your mind. But the, the meaning of a mocker is this. Mockers hate the Lord, they scorn his wisdom, and they insult anyone who attempts to correct them. Now, I don't know about you, but I am seeing plenty of this going on in our culture. And though we can't always remove ourselves physically from it, we are called to separate our hearts from it. God calls us to be holy, and that means set apart. And we all have this this need or these feelings of wanting to belong But if we are believers, we belong to Christ, and that is our most important identity. We are part of the body of Christ. That is our most important identity. Again, this is another strong principle that will ground our children and keep them anchored as they navigate life. We really have no idea what kind of world that they will be living in, and that can honestly feel terrifying. But if our kids grow up recognizing and embracing their identity in Christ, it will be far easier for them to stand for righteousness. And isn't that what we really want for them? If so, it starts by us setting the example. Moms, we do not have to be perfect at this, but our kids need to see that we are continuing to try. We are continually trying to walk in obedience to this. So as an older mom, I can tell you that God's grace is sufficient. God will take 
all that we have to offer and he will bless it and he will multiply it. We just need to be faithful with what is right in front of us. We have the privilege of loving and raising these kids for him. May we be found faithful. So now we've talked about um, what we shouldn't do. So what is it that we should do? And the next verse tells us just that. It says, but they delight in the law of the Lord. That's what these godly, joyful people do. They delight in the law of the Lord. And what is the law of the Lord? It's his word. It is the full revelation of God's instructions. In other words, all of God's word. We don't get to pick and choose what we want to believe and what sounds good and what fits in our culture or what's relevant to what the culture says is relevant or is subject, uh, what what they say, truth is subjective, but it's not subjective. This is what this is saying. The law of the Lord is the full revelation of God's instructions. In other words, all of God's word. We don't get to pick and choose. It is not subjective to what our culture is telling us. And it goes on to talk about, so it says, delight in the law of the Lord, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What is meditating? Well, you know, sometimes we think of it in terms of like, you know, yoga or, you know, putting our, you know, thumb and our middle finger together and hum, you know. But what the scripture means when it's talk about, talking about meditation, it's not about emptying our minds. It is a process of inner reflections. So we're actually thinking, pondering, focusing on something, and it can be positive or negative. But here, it's referring to meditating on his word. So we can be meditating on negative things just as well as positive things. But here it's saying the godly who have joy meditate on his word day and night. When we choose to meditate on his word, we can be sure that it will bring life. You know, the world tells us, oh, just think about positive things, meditate on positive things. You know what? I think as Christians, we need to take it a step further and we need to go to the place that is 100% truth where we know that what we're meditating on is going to bring life because God's word says that it is living and active. God's word says that it, his word gives life that it lights our path. So we know that if we meditate on it, there is going to be fruit from that. It does not come back void. So if we're going to meditate on something, why wouldn't we be meditating on the Word of God? So it says here, we meditate on it day and night. This is at all times. Now, how would this apply to a busy mom? We have a lot going on, right? It's true. But you know, when we're driving in the car and we're riding along with the kids in the back, taking them to school or taking them to activities, why couldn't we just take a moment to ponder, um, you know, a phrase from a verse we've recently read or just be thinking about how good God is and, and reflecting back on the ways that he's answered our prayers at defining moments in our lives. But 
you know, the word is so powerful. Um, this is why I'm always encouraging moms, spend at least some time every day in the word. Write down something that just strikes you as meaningful, something the Holy Spirit is illuminating to you. Put it on a little index card and carry it with you. Put it on the kitchen counter where you're going to see it all the time or tape it up on the bathroom mirror or bring it with you in the car. And these are the simple ways that we can meditate on his word day and night. And the interesting thing is that in this passage, it goes on to talk about what is the result of this? What is the result of what is the result of us delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night? It goes on to say this: They are like trees planted along the river bank bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and whatsoever they do, they prosper. They prosper in all they do. The interesting thing is there's another passage that's almost identical to this in Jeremiah 17, 7, and 8. And I really want to share this with you because um, it's just so powerful. And it just gives such a beautiful picture of this well-watered tree. So I'm finding the scripture right now. It's Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Here's what it says. But blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Are you picturing all of this? It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Don't you love that? I want to be that kind of tree that never fails to bear fruit. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because I love this translation as well. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. I've talked about this in other podcasts when I've um, talked about anxiety. How I found that when I was putting my hope and confidence in something besides the Lord, my anxiety level went up exponentially. So here it's saying, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That's who I want to be. You know, have you ever noticed, um, I've noticed that as people have gotten older um, and they go into that, that final season of life, how selfish so many of them are. Not all of them. I know some beautiful, wonderful older people, but I would say they are the exception and not the rule. And I've always wondered about that. Lord, why is it that we get so tend to get so selfish as we get older? And I think we just get set in our ways and we stop being teachable and we stop um, growing. And, and I think this is where um, if we can get into this habit of continually trusting in the Lord, making the Lord our hope and confidence throughout all seasons of life, we become like that tree with these roots that are 
reach deep into the water and we don't fret by the we don't worry about the heat or the long months of drought and i would say that that would be uh, just describing difficult times we're not afraid of trials or long months of drought but instead our leaves stay green and we never stop producing fruit because the fruit is coming from our walk with God it is coming by the spirit and by the word of God and you know we see so many anemic christians who don't know God's word and don't represent the truth of who Jesus is But on the flip side, have you ever felt completely refreshed and inspired after spending time with someone who has a deep faith and lives a godly life? That is who I want to be, and that's who I want to spend time with. I've listened to a couple of messages lately taught by such men. If you're interested in listening to some some sermons and some messages and some teaching by some very well-seasoned men who have had long, deep walks with God. I would highly recommend Carter Conlin at Times Square Church in New York. You can get online and hear any of his sermons. And Ravi Zacharias has been another one that I have been so enjoying. So here this passage describes men like this, women like this, who continue to bear fruit even in old age. But then as the passage continues, you can see how there's a, there's a, a comparison. There's comparison and, and contrasting between the godly that we're, we've just talked about and the wicked. It goes on to say, but not the wicked. This is not what the wicked are like. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Wow. God is a just God. He will not let the wicked thrive forever. We can be as sure of that as the fact that the sun rises and sets. We know the sun's going to come up every day. We know it's going to set every day. We know that our God will serve justice. Justice will be served. It's sometimes challenging to believe that as it looks as though the wicked are thriving. And as you read through the Psalms, This theme is repeated over and over and over again, that it appears that the wicked are thriving, but God's justice will reign. You guys, we know how this is going to go. We know the end of the story. God is good. He's faithful. We can trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the depth and the clarity of your word. God, we thank you that your word never comes back void. And as we spend time studying it and meditating on it and praying through it, that God, you use it in our lives to transform us. Father, we can't change ourselves. We can't do the deep work that needs to happen. The world tells us that 
uh, if we just do enough uh, self-help courses that we can you know, transform ourselves. But we know that isn't true, Father. The heart is desperately wicked. It's, it's deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But you said that you would remove our heart of stone and you would give us a heart of flesh, that you would whisper in our ear, which way to go, that you would give us direction by your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. We pray that you would continue to guide us as we raise and grow our families, Lord. I pray peace and blessing over every mom who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen.